ready to grab it in Jesus' name. We're, as you can see, trying out a new microphone, get my hands free again. So we're just going to do a little bit of technical work right now. If you'll own a number three and four, if you want to bring me down a little bit. And then the volume out there is all Owen, so if I'm loud, blame him. <laughs> Praise God. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And as you're doing so, I want to remind you that this Thursday evening at 7 o'clock, we're restarting our Thursday night Bible study. And we're doing it a little different, well, a little, a lot different than we've done it in the past. Uh, we're not teaching on one topic. It'll be an independent thought each Thursday night so that if you happen to have to miss a Thursday night, the next Thursday night you're not lost. You can just pick up because it'll be an individual kind of deal. And we have four new teachers for that, myself, and Renee will be teaching. Uh, a, I'll be teaching this Thursday. She's a teacher a week from Thursday. Jen Gilbert, who is sick today, is going to be teaching three weeks. And then in November, Paul Weisbrot will join the team and myself, and it'll be a great time. We encourage you to come and be a part of that, and that will be happening in the sanctuary here because at the same time, our Youth Ignite at 7 o'clock, both of these are 7 o'clock, by the way, they'll be having their Ignite service in the office, and so uh, we're thankful to be able to join them on the campus and it'll just be a great day seven o'clock thursday evening you don't want to miss it first corinthians chapter one verse number 18 it says the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction let me just paraphrase that in tim sanders english as well people that don't want to find Jesus, won't look for the cross because it doesn't make sense to them. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. The cross is the very power of God. If you've never been to the cross... You're missing out on the power. If you've never knelt down at the cross of Christ, you have not received or been able to feel or experience the power of Almighty God. I want to minister simply this today. It's simply called, At the Cross. There's an old song that used to say, At the Cross, At the Cross, where I first saw the light. And uh, unfortunately for some of us, we find the cross and then the Lord changes us and touches us and we never go back to the cross. But the cross today is the very power of God. If you are looking for some power, it's found at the cross. This church would not be the church it is if we did not believe in the power of the cross. There is nothing that's different from us 
than anybody else except the cross. And because the cross is available, the cross is something that can totally and completely change our life. At the cross. Now, I believe this. This is my belief. Can't prove it scripturally. But my belief is simply this. We don't know exactly where the cross was outside the walls of Jerusalem. Now you can go on a tour of Israel and they will take their best guess at where history says that the cross was, but nobody knows. They just know it was on Golgotha. They just know that that mountain is, and it's called the, the place of the skull because the mountain looks like a skull and on the mountain is called Golgotha. They, Calvary, if you will, is the Greek terminology. And uh, we, we kind of get the mountain, but we don't know exactly where it is because I believe that God understands humanity. And we would make that a religious site and everybody would be trying to get over to the physical placement of the cross. I believe that God just let it come and go and nobody really knows exactly where it's at because He wants us to know that the cross is wherever you're at today. The cross is not something that you have to travel to. It's not something that you have to go looking for. The cross is right here, right now, in our presence. And it's empty, but still powerful. You see, there's something about Jesus that changes time. Even scientists believe in Jesus. You want to know how I know? Because it's how we measure time. We are in the year of the Lord, 2023. Scientists have gone, have declared, or they have decided, and they've done the computations. And they've done the ministering or the administering and all of the things to figure out that Jesus was born. Some historians say it was a little bit off that he was born actually, I'm not sure how they come up with this, but four before Christ. <clears throat> but his birth measures natural time. I'm 53 years and a month and a half old based off of when Jesus was born. Because that's how we measure time. But the cross measures our spiritual time or our eternal time or the time that does not stop, the time that does not change for anybody. It's been going since the world began and we have stepped into or when we cross over the cross, when we step through the cross, what we're really doing is we are stepping into a time that is not measured by natural laws, but measured by kingdom laws. And when you're on this side of the cross, you can operate and say, Our Father which art in heaven, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the cross is a place of crucifixion. It is a place of separation. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse, 20, or verse 18, it says, You who were slaves must accept the authority of your masters with all respect, 
Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. Can I just tell you what that means in modern day English? Respect your bosses. Whether they're cruel, good, nasty, incompetent, whatever, respect them. For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you're doing what uh, you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. And that's a whole message in and of itself. But God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered. He is your example. Everybody say, He is our example. I'm not your example except as I follow Him. You're not your kid's example except as you follow Him. You're not your neighbor's example except as you follow Him because He is our example. And you must follow in His steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. You read that again. He personally carried your sins, all your mess. He gathered and said, let's go to the cross because these sins need to be paid for. So that you can be dead to sin and live that which is right. By His wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. I want to share with you for just a couple of minutes the two sides of the cross. I said my title was at the cross because at the cross is where we've got to go to. But there's two sides to the cross. There's the before the cross and after the cross. And God is wanting to use the cross as a place of crucifixion. Not so that you would physically have to die because He's already done that for you, but that you would spiritually die. The Bible says that Paul says in Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But I don't live on my own. I live after the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Before the cross, you were trying to operate and live on your own. You were trying to figure everything out on your own ability, your own wisdom, and most of us got ourselves into a lot of trouble. And we missed out on the opportunities that the Lord had ready for us on the other side of the cross. And so when you get to the other side of the cross, you're not living on your own. You're living because God is living through you. And wouldn't you rather have the eternal, loving Creator of all that there is that loved you enough to give Himself on the cross so that He could operate in your life and live through you? But we too often live below our privilege because we still try to reach across 
the other side of the cross and say, well, I'll just figure this out on my, my own. I'll figure out how to make my family function. I'll figure out how to make my job function. I'll figure out how to make my vehicles function. I'll, I'll, get ta- I'll take care of it. And the whole time that that's happening, it's falling apart under your feet because Jesus wants you to walk on the other side of the cross. And if you're on that side of the cross still, my friend, His cross is right here today. You can approach it one more time and say, Jesus, I know I've messed up. I'm trying to live on my own and operate on my own and be on my own, but I can't be independent of You. I have to have You. It's a place of crucifixion. The cross is a place of separation. When you go to the cross and you get at the foot of the cross, God reaches down and separates your sin. Why? Because He's taken your sin from you. See, here's the problem. We have a memory, but we don't have a past. Let me say that again. We have a memory, but we don't have a... See, when you get to this side of the cross, and it's washed out by the blood of the Lamb, and the name of Jesus has been applied to your life, your past has been erased. Not forgiven. It's been forgiven, but it has been erased. It is the main reason why we have challenged our leaders in our Chainbreaker ministry that somewhere along the line of somebody's journey to sobriety, that they cross over a time continuum, if you will, from natural time to divine time. Because once they get on the other side of the cross and Jesus has come into their life, they are no longer an addict. They are no longer a lost individual. They have been restored by the power and the blood of the Lamb. And that past has been totally and completely erased. I thank God for the cross. If it wasn't for the cross, I'd still be lost. It separates us from our sin. It separates us from other sinners. History tells us that there were at least three crosses that day. And the Bible says one thief hung on one side and one thief on the other. And the one thing on uh, one thief on the one side found himself in paradise that day, and the other sinner found himself lost for eternity that day because he rejected the one on the cross. One wanted to live on one side of the cross, the other wanted to live on the other side of the cross, and the one that wanted to live on the other side of the cross was able to live. Listen, there are some things in your life. There are some people in your life. There are some relationships in your life that will try to tug you to the, uh, the back side of the cross. The cross that you came out of. The cross that you walked away from. Stay on the right side of the cross. And if there's a separation between you and that person, it's not you separating that person. It's the cross of Christ. And the cross of Christ separates one sinner from the other. Not based upon merit. Not based upon likability. Not based 
based upon ability, but simply based on the fact that one sinner receives the cross and one sinner rejects the cross. Don't get tied up with people that willingly reject the cross because eventually if you're tied together with them too long, they will pull you back over the cross and you will just negate everything that Jesus did with you. Listen, live strong. Live strong strong in Jesus stay on that side of the cross and those that are on the other side of the cross will watch God do the miraculous in your life and eventually they will come to the conclusion I don't know what it is about them but I realize that the cross is in between us and I want that side of the cross for some of you this is a reminder but can I just tell you there's too often that we don't go back to the cross. I'm not talking about the physical T of the cross. I'm talking about the experience of the cross. Where Jesus died. Where He shed His blood. Where He paid the penalty for our sins. Where He made it an opportunity for us to be different. The cross is the transformational event in all of history that changed mankind. So why do we ignore it? Sin on one side of the cross. Listen, my notes, I made a cross on my notes. And on one side is some negative stuff. And on the other side is the positive stuff. Listen, on the one side of the cross is all my shame. But the blood was poured out. And on this side of the cross, there is nothing to be shameful about. Instead of shame, He gives me glory. Instead of shame, He gives me mercy. Instead of shame, He gives me grace. Why doesn't somebody want to live outside of their shame and live in His glory? Do I have to? Wrong question. Wrong question. It's not a have to thing. It's a do I get to thing. You're telling me I can leave my shame here at the cross and I can step into glory? Listen, I know some of you have been beaten up. You've been hammered on because you haven't been perfect. Some of you have struggled with the idea that you're not a perfect parent, you're not a perfect spouse, you're not a perfect employee. Welcome to the club. But it's nothing to be shameful for. Because if you are on the other side of the cross, His blood has made you a good parent. His blood has made you a good friend. His blood has made you a good employee. Do you make mistakes? All the time. But the shame is left on the other side of the cross. And if you're dealing with shame and guilt and all of that, you need to find the cross today and lay it down at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, just give me your glory. I already said this, but on the one side of the cross is your past. On the other side is your future. Which side do you want to live on? You see, those that dwell in their past, they don't have a future. All they have is their past. Why would you want to live there? Why would you not want to cross over the cross? 
step through the blood and see what Jesus has for you. Hey, there's some of you here today that have been homeless. There's some of you here today that have been living in the, in the dumps of humanity. But listen, your future on this side of the cross, I don't know about you, but having streets of gold outside my front door, having seas of crystal, no seaweed, no muck, no mire, just crystal water outside my front door, I don't know about you, but my future is sound. My future is sound. My future is sound. It's not a pie-in-the-sky dream. It's been established in the Word of the Lord, and the Bible says the Word has forever been established. I have a future. And that future is not just heaven. I have a future next week that if I allow the cross, it will push me into it will push me into opportunity for him to move even more in my life last night I learned this we've got a 14 or a 15 year old little dog that jumped all over my last nerve last night at 2 in the morning woke me up. I let her outside to go to the restroom. And for the last 15 years when she comes back in and I say, well, it's kennel up, she runs right to her kennel. She ignored me last night. She looked at me, turned her head, and ran downstairs to Declan. And I am convinced now that she doesn't need to see because those steps were pitch black. I was so mad. I said, fine, Declan can take care of you in the morning. And I went and crawled into bed until I got an elbow in my side. She'll tear the basement up, honey. <laughs> so out of bed in the middle of the night, and we don't leave a lot of light on in our house, and I found everything to run into that I could find to run into. Except the dog. Then I got downstairs and I finally found the dog just laying there, sweet face, almost like she had a smile on her face, laying next to Declan. Declan doesn't remember any of it. He said, well, you didn't wake me up. I said, I sat right down on your bed and you didn't move. <laughs> Carried the dog back up, put her in her kennel, and then tried to get a few more hours of sleep. And then forgot that we didn't have our director's meeting today, so my alarm clock was early. And it was still dark when it went off. I said all of that to say this. Last night I remembered what darkness was like. It's miserable. Darkness does not make you happy. The things and the obstacles that are in your way. Can I tell you why some of you are tripping over obstacles? It's because you're still on that side of the cross where darkness is predominant. Well, I didn't even see it coming, Pastor. I know, it's dark. You can't see it. I didn't know where the bedpost was last night either. Nor the box of clothes. Nor the couch. Nor the banister. They haven't moved. They've been there forever. But I was in the dark. And I was a little angry too, so that probably didn't help. Hitting everything, kicking everything. 
Listen, sometimes you have to recognize, I just got to go to the cross and say, Lord, I'm living in an atmosphere of darkness. And it's not necessarily an evil darkness. It's just that I haven't seen your light for a while. And I'm doing everything that I know I'm supposed to do. And I know I'm living right. But God, I just can't see two feet in front of me. Lord, I need the light. And when you nail down at the cross, there's something that happens. For a moment of time, the darkness is there. But when Jesus came off the cross, the light was restored. And there can be light restored in your life so that you see the obstacles. You don't deal even have to deal with them. You walk around them. You overcome them. And you can walk in the light. The Bible says that we should show forth His praises because He has called us out of the darkness from that side of the cross into His marvelous light. The cross separates the sickness from the health. The feebleness. Can I just tell you if you're dealing with dread today or hopelessness, you're just on the wrong side of the cross. On the other side of the cross is hope eternal. Well, pastor, you don't know what I'm facing. You're right, I may not. But what you're facing isn't bigger than the God that I serve. So whether it's big or small, whether it's ugly or cute, what you're facing that's causing you this dread is not from God because God is a God of hope. Well, how do I fix that God? Well, you go to his cross. God, I am overwhelmed by dread and hopelessness and I don't see a way out and I feel like I'm getting buried in the cares of life. And then he will give you a small glimpse of the cross and recognize that all of those overwhelming emotions were tied up in who he was on the cross. And he'll reach out. It's okay, my child. I'm still in control. And you have hope. Some of you are dealing with anxiety. You're just living on the wrong side of the cross. Get to the cross. Get to where His blood is shed. Get to where His love was manifested. Get to the place where He came to earth to release the goodness and mercy and grace into this entire world. Because if you get to the cross, you'll find rest. Do you want to know how I know? Because it was on the cross that Jesus looked down to, to John and said, Behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. Comfort one another. Be with one another. Can I tell you why it's at the cross? Why you can lay your anxiety down at the cross? Can I, well, at least this is for me. Maybe it's not for you, but it's for me. This is why I have a great time at the cross, releasing anxiety and, and finding rest. Because there's others of you that are there too. And I've seen you walk through anxious times. And I've seen you deal with things that are overwhelming and, and almost deadening and, and, and pushing you down and making you worry. And, make, and yet, because you stayed at the cross, you came out on the other side where your weeping was turned into rejoicing. Whether your dreadfulness was turned into hopeless, hopefulness. 
where you put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that pushed you and propelled you onto the other side of the cross where the power of God ushered you into an atmosphere where you could receive the rest that only He can give you. Won't you take the step to the cross today? Well, Pastor, I thought the cross experience was only for when I first came to Him. Oh, no, 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 no. If that's the case, we wouldn't have put a cross on the outside of this building. The cross needs to be an everyday experience. Not because Jesus is there. He's gone. But the bloodstains are still there. And the purpose is still there. And the problem with us is if we don't go to the cross enough, we don't look for Jesus enough. And when we don't look for Jesus enough, we get tied up in that stuff on the other side of the cross. Listen, if all natural time pointed to Jesus before Christ and back to Jesus after Christ, why don't we live the same way? All the junk that you had in your life before the cross, all of the lies, the deceit, the sin, the adultery, the lying, the hatred, the drunkenness, the addiction, all of that stuff before the cross was leading you to the cross. And just because you've come to the cross and now you're trying to live for Him, that still is A.D. after the death of Christ. That's still looking back to the cross. I live today with my eye on the prize of glory. And I don't look back for my past, but I do look back to the cross because it's the cross that keeps me directed towards the goal that's in store. Paul got into this a little bit in Sunday school. Before the cross is bondage. Well, what kind of bondage? Your brains. Can I just tell you that I believe that everybody that is living before a cross experience is, in my book, insane? I don't mean that in a negative light. But before the cross, none of us think right. Before the cross, all of us were confused. Before the cross, all of us dwell in chaos. It doesn't matter who we are, where we come from. It's all a mess back then. It's insane not to live with Jesus. It's insane not to live with Jesus. Let me say it again for somebody that's just kind of, it's insane for you to live without Jesus. Without Jesus, you are hopeless. Without Jesus, you are lost. Without Jesus, you are just a carcass walking around. Without Jesus, you are nothing. Without, you've got to have Jesus. And the only place to find Jesus is at the cross. And just because you had a cross experience 20 years ago doesn't mean you're walking with Jesus today. You've got to continuously go back 
to the cross. Lord, take me back where I first saw you, where I first recognized you, where I first experienced you. Not so I live there, but so I remember what you did for me so I can turn around and face the giant that I'm facing now. The reason that David could defeat Goliath was not simply because he had faith. He defeated Goliath because he had already come face to face with a lion and a bear. Saul must have never fought those battles. For when David walked in, he said, I'll take care of it, Saul. See, sometimes we don't get the whole picture of that. Saul was head and shoulders above all other Israelites. Not just head, but shoulders. He wasn't a small dude. And he was the king. And he was the adult. And he was the trained fighter. And he was the trained warrior. And he was captain of the guard, if you will. And in comes a teenager who only thought that he knew everything. But one thing he knew, I've already faced down that which is going to kill my flock. I took care of the lion. I took care of the bear. What's Goliath? Saul, I'll go out. And here's the audaciousness of Saul. He tried. He was such a coward. Okay, young man, I'll let you go fight. But you're going to fight the way I tell you to fight. So I'm going to put this armor on you, and I'm going to put this armor on you. And, I, and before long, this little teenage boy was facing the man that was head and shoulders above all the rest in his armor. Okay, I'll go now. I can't move my arms or my feet, but I'll go fight. He said, Saul, took it off. I can't wear any of this. Because why? Because that armor wasn't designed for me. That armor was not designed for David. I'll tell you what armor was designed for David that he had been practicing over and over and over and over and over again. And so he went and he took five smooth stones, and there's all different conjecture of why he took five stones, but I don't think David was planning to miss with the first one. I like the thought that it seems in Scripture that Goliath had four brothers, and he was just going to take out the whole family if he had to. Can I just tell you, we treat David and Goliath like a miracle. I need somebody to hear this today. Because we have told the Sunday school story over and over and over, and Goliath was nine foot nine inches tall. He had a sword that was just you. And all we get in our minds is some medieval movie that we've watched. And the giant is this big, ugly ogre and had all kinds of... And there was no hope that David was going to... Can I just tell you that it was not a miracle that David killed Goliath? 
David was trained with a sling. Those slingsters back then could whip that thing around and shoot a bird at 100 yards easily according to uh, custom, manners and customs of the Bible. They were trained in it. He was going out with the weapon that God had already weaponized in his hand. He was using what he had already experienced from God and he had practiced it and practiced it and practiced it. And when he went out there, he took aim at his forehead because it was the only place on the body that the stone was going to do anything and he let it rip. Can I tell you that there are some things that God has already planted in you? There are abilities that God has already placed in you and you don't need to go find something and you don't need to face your giants in a miracle fashion but he's already placed it in you. If you have walked through the cross, he has placed an instrument within you to do battle on your behalf. But we won't face our giant because it has to be a miracle. No, 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 no. You take what God's given you. It may just be a stone. Practice it. Doubt, here I come. I've already read this. I don't know why I'm doubting anymore. I've already grabbed a hold of this. Okay, doubt, here we go. Fling the stone and see if doubt doesn't land. Fear, he's not given us the spirit of fear. He has given us power and a sound mind. And where does that power come from? The cross. If you have experienced the cross, you don't have to have a miracle to deliver you from fear. You just need to stand up to it. I have one more that I want to present to you today. The cross separates the believer from the Christian. The cross separates the believer from the Christian. Can I just tell you that believing isn't enough? I don't want to blow anybody's faith bubble or theological doctrine, but believing is on that side of the cross. How do I know? I read it in James chapter 2, verse number 18. Someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Verse 19, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Everybody say it. They believe. They believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Can I tell you if you're a believer? Good. It's a first step. But you've got to get to the cross and have the experience of the cross because the cross will make you not only a believer, but you will take on Christ. And when you take on Christ, you will become a Christian. And a Christian is not a denomination. And it's not a sect of people. A Christian is simply a Christ-like human being. There's all kinds of believers The last Barner Research uh, poll that I read, 86 
percent of Americans believe that they're born again Christians because they believe. They haven't darkened the doors of a church. They haven't read the Bible. They haven't prayed, but they're believers. I believe there's a God. I believe Jesus is his name. But I have had no experience with him. I have not entered the realm of the cross. I have not bowed down before him. Can I just give you a secret? If you don't bow now by your choice, you will one day bow with no choice. Because the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow in heaven, in earth, and under the earth to declare that he is the Lord. You will bow one way or the other. I want to do it in my own time at the cross where he can take care of it all. It's, I've got to be Christ-like. Well, how can I be Christ-like if I haven't experienced Christ? I I might as well just kind of deal with some things. It's been asked me, why don't we pray the sinner's prayer in this church? Because I don't know where that sinner prayer is found. Because it's not a biblical thing. Can I tell you what a sinner's prayer is? A step. I'm thankful for everybody that prays it. It's powerful when you get to that place where you recognize I'm no good and I want to have you come into my life. But until that is reciprocated from Christ, well, how is it reciprocated? You receive his name and his blood and when you go down in the waters of baptism the name of Jesus is placed on on you and the blood of Jesus washes away your sin and you become a brand new creature in Christ well do I have to be baptized wrong question you mean I have the opportunity to bury my old carcass and become a new person? Forget Weight Watchers. I'm going to become new. I'm going to start afresh. All my junk is going to be gone. I'm starting brand new. Why wouldn't I want to do that? Well, is that joining a cult? You call it what you want. I call it family. I call it the church. I call it Christians. I call it heaven bound. I call it glory filled. I call it hope restored. I call it grace empowered. I call it mission on a, a mis, uh, mercy on a mission. Do I have to have the Holy Ghost? Wrong question. Do I have the opportunity to have the Holy Ghost? Right question. Can I have it? Absolutely. What do I need to do to get it? Receive it. It's a gift from the Lord. Let me go a little bit further. Do I have to give this up? Well, why would you want to keep it? It's on that side of the cross. Do I have to keep hanging out with the people that I've been hanging out with? Why? They're on that side of the cross. Live your life on this side so attractively that they want to join you instead of them having you join them. 
the Bible says to go out into the highways and the byways compelling them to come in. That's not going out and twisting somebody's arm and yanking them into the house of God and, and dragging them to the pew and saying, now you're in church, bless God. Going into the highways and byways and compelling them is go into the highways and by, byways and live your life as such that they are attracted to Jesus. Treat your neighbors that the, so they are attracted to Jesus. Treat your coworkers so they are attracted to Jesus. Doesn't mean you are a walking mat or a foot mat or whatever. No, no, no. I'm saying, but you need to be Christ-like. Christ-like was not ever walked over. Christ was never, was never put down. He, he stood his ground, but he did it filled with mercy and grace. And before long, those people are going to say, hmm, he's got something I don't have. I know that person, and I'm just going to watch him for a while because there's been times in his lives that he's mellowed out a little bit, but his anger quotient pops at any time. Let me just watch for a while. And on this side of the cross, you're trying to live like Christ, and you want to go off because you're angry, but because you've experienced the cross, you learn to bite your tongue. And that person says, something's different. He would have blown a stack five years ago. He would have hated me five years. If I would have egged him on like this, he would have hated me. But something's different. What's different? I've crossed through the cross. I invite you to stand. I don't know where everybody's at individually. I don't know everything that you're dealing with. I know sickness has been a thing recently. We've got several, several out sick even today. I don't know if you're having family issues. I don't know if you're having addictive issues. I don't know if you're having self-esteem issues. I don't know if you've been dealing with things in your own power. All I can tell you is, why not give the cross a shot? Why not give Jesus a chance? Well, Pastor, I did five years ago, and I'm still living in that. No, not good enough. I've got to get to Him every day. You see, here's what I see when I go back to the cross. I see goals and desires that would have propelled me down a different path that would not have been pleasing to God. I go back to the cross where I first saw the light. And I realized that if I wouldn't have had that experience, I wouldn't have made a decision in 1988 to move to Dover, Delaware. I wouldn't have had an experience in Dover, Delaware that would introduce me to Trisha 
Marie Smalley. If I wouldn't have gone to the cross while I was in Bible school, I may have married somebody else. Even though I knew that God had designed her for me and me for her. If we wouldn't have gone to the cross together that one night in the second pew off on the right-hand side of the church where I had totally blown it with a visitor even though I was on staff down on my face asking God for answers and God uniting us in that moment of time. That was a cross for us. It was a transformation for us. It was such a transformation that I was actually dating somebody at the time. We said, well, we'll just give it a couple days and slowly break it off. And I couldn't do it. It was like five hours later. If we wouldn't have gone to our cross in 1993, we may not have made the trip to Kansas City, Missouri. And if we wouldn't have had the call at the cross in 1993 to go to Kansas City, there may not be, from a group of about 60 young people, I think about 20 preachers, 20 teachers, all across America that are today teaching and preaching what we were blessed to put into them over six or seven years. If we wouldn't have gone to the cross in 2008, He may not have made a way for us to come here. And who knows what would have happened had we not come here. I don't know what Pastor Gary would have done. You all may have folded up the tents and said it's been a good run, but we're going to go do something else. And then none of this would be here. And if you didn't answer the cross and go and find Jesus... I would be withdrawn or withheld from the opportunity to look you face to face today and say, isn't God good where he's brought you from to where you're at today? If you wouldn't have answered the call of the cross, where would you be today instead of where you're at? Some of you may not even be alive. Some of you may be totally strung out somewhere. Some of you may be in a marriage that you're so miserable in. Your family would have made fallen apart. But because you answered the call to the cross. And because that's the way Jesus works in his body. He puts this together and this together. Who would have known 15 years ago that some of you would have entered this church for the first time. And God knew it. And so he placed a ministry here because this ministry answered the call and that ministry answered the call and that ministry answered the call and all across this place, people found the cross. We've got to continually go to the cross for it's at the cross where life is transformed. I'm asking you now, would you just begin to reach out to Jesus? By the authority of Your Word, Lord, 
I release the power of the cross in this house. If it's been a while since you've been to the cross of Christ, I want to invite you and challenge you. Would you step out into an aisle or would you come to the front? Just move from where you're at and, and where you're at and then that just be a signifying moment that I'm going to the cross again. At the cross. At the cross. He paid the price. He initiated my purpose. He unleashed my hope. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm asking if some of our leaders would just gather around these that have stepped forward and just begin to help me pray that they would experience the cross once again. And that the love of God would just begin to flow as they play. If you're here and you're a believer, but you're not just a believer, you're a Christian, would you just help me pray for a few minutes? Just raise your hands towards those that have made a step out that they would be touched and moved and ministered to. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. Jesus. Jesus. Power. By your authority. I release the power of the cross. I release the power of the cross. Let victory come right now. Lord, I'm speaking peace that passes all understanding. I come against the spirit of opportunity and the spirit of guilt, the spirit of apprehension, the spirit of doubt. Lord, she is your creature. She is your child. She is your chosen vessel. Let her know it right now. Let her know it right now. Let her experience it right now. Mm.